Hail, and welcome to Odin's Alchemy. Today, we're going to go ahead and continue on with our readings of the Poetic Edda with the lovely Rachel Munas. And uh, today we have the sayings of Har, or the Havamal, which is probably the most well-known and popular uh, piece out of the Poetic Edda. Um, but before we get into that today, uh, we just had Easter, and uh, I wanted to uh, kind of talk about some of the things that you see, because there's so very many memes that they punch out. And uh, once it's put in a meme, all of a sudden people start throwing it out there like it's actual fact. And it's really interesting. Uh, and they've lumped a whole lot of goddesses together. And it's really amazing when you start looking at these goddesses because a lot of times the stories don't match. There's no reason for them to be lumped together. A lot of times, because the meme has words in it already, your mind is already set for that. Like one of the ones that uh, I made a big deal out of was there's a post of Ishtar. And it says Ishtar's animals are the, the bunny and she's represented by the egg. And then you look at the, the carving or the relief behind her and it's lions and owls. And, you know, the, the, the eggs aren't there. The, the, the bunnies aren't there. And then occasionally, uh, the other big one I'm seeing is then they'll end up putting a picture of Artemis. Uh, and then they, so they'll put this picture of uh, the statue of Artemis with all of her boobs and then say that this is Ishtar and these are eggs. And they aren't even eggs. These are boobs. <laughs> so um, with that, I have been doing some study on that. And one of the real popular ones today is Ostara. And the first finding that you can really find of the actual name Ostara, where it is named, is uh, by Jacob Grimm, the Brothers Grimm. Uh, in his writings, and obviously he wrote some fanciful things. Um, and that was in the late 1800s. So Jacob Grimm uh, first puts this Ostara name in there, and this is all during a neo-pagan uh, revival movement. Um, and then from there, you start seeing Ostara a lot. The other thing, the other tie to the same thing is uh, Yoster. E-O-S-T-R-E, which where there is historical uh, evidence for that day, uh, calling that day, there's nothing about it being a goddess. Uh, there's not even a strong necessary tie to spring um, in that. So with all that, the other thing that I'm looking at, although for Ostara, where that was most likely derived from was the the oster hare and the oster hare was a, a rabbit that would go around and lay colored eggs. Uh, that was an old German uh, folklore uh, type thing. And I think uh, Jacob Grimm, you know, he's kind of known for having done the old folklore tales while studying Germanic tales. I uh, took some pieces out of different ones like the oster hare legend and uh, that's where he came up with Ostara. 
Now, the one day that we can actually find uh, on that then is uh, Sigurd's boat. So Sigurd or Siegfried, depending on whether you're talking about Middle German or High German, he is the hero from the Nibelungs. So the Nibelungs is the time period uh, after Ragnarok um, when uh, Golveg and the Horde are now in the realm of men. And the primary story is around Midgard in the realm of men rather than about the gods and the, the uh, giants or the titans. Um, the story is now more based around the realm of men. So uh, when you look at what Sigurd did, the, one of the first things Sigurd does is get the legendary sword and he has the sword, the broken sword, reforged. And so what that is indicative of is that the masculine was broken in the cycle. That uh, we had been in a time period where the masculine had been broken. And so now this young king has to reforge the sword and uh, bring back the masculine. Well, then he goes and he slays Fafnir the dragon and uh, brings back his uh, kinghood, captures the horde, goes on some other adventures, becomes the king again. We have the return of the king. Um, so with that, when we match that to the Sigurd's day, what would we expect Sigurd's day to, to be the start of? the masculine part of the cycle is what we'd fully expect out of that, given the story that it's matched up with. Now that's in opposition to uh, where you see Jacob Grimm and a bunch of other people in that time period. And anybody that's listened to me quite a bit has uh, heard me talk about that. I think in the late 1800s, early 1900s is where they made this reversal of masculine and feminine. Um, and he tried to make spring into a feminine goddess and made, and then there's from the neo-pagan movement, there's a number of goddesses that just suddenly become and come into existence that there's no historical re records for them outside of that. Um, so I think that though that's what happened there is in the side, the pagan movement, they were also making these reversals, making these things, uh, trying to push this narrative. And in it, they inserted some goddesses. And then now when I say anything about that, of course, I'm attacking the feminine. Never mind that obviously the feminine portion of the cycle still has to happen. I'm saying there's a reversal. So then that reversal would be on the exact opposite end of the cycle also. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it's all masculine. That's foolish. Uh, but uh, that they put this reversal into place in order to keep us away from the natural cycle. And uh, I do believe that this is, this is absolutely part of it. This was the spring, the summer cycle. And that's the other thing that needs to be taken into account. These uh, philosophers from the 1800s that were pushing different things 
we're doing things from a Roman calendar aspect where they do have four seasons. Uh, the ancient heathens only operated off of two seasons. There was summer and there was winter. And there was three bloats a year. The first bloat would have been uh, uh, Sigurd's bloat, or that was the last one, actually. And the first one is going to be your winter nights and then your midwinter and then Sigurd's bloat, which brings on the summer. And there's no major bloats in the summer during the masculine part of the cycle. That's where you're out working. You're planting fields or out raiding. Um, then you go through that summer portion of the cycle well, then the first uh, bloat that you have is your uh, the beginning of winter bloat, but that is going to happen around your October 31st. So you're looking at your uh, great hunt. Uh, you're looking at the harvest of the fields, and then you're looking at the harvest of the souls from uh, the war season. Because war season, especially back then, didn't happen over the winter. It only happened during the spring and summer in early fall months and then everybody had to skeet at a home before winter hit so you don't end up trapped out somewhere in the winter with no food and no supplies and no shelter um so during that time period when the veil between the realms is supposed to be thinnest and odin or the green man or so many others go on the great hunt and reap the souls these are the souls that are hanging around after the summer campaign and this is the harvest of that, um, where he owns the, the psychopomp and he's going to take those souls and champion them back to where they need to go through that harvesting. So, um, but with all that said, I've been babbling for quite a while. What do you have to say about that, Rachel? <laughs> well, I love that. Um, I only recently found out, you're the one who told me about Sigurd's bloat, and I found out about Thor's bloat, which I think was around um, in bulk. Um, like that candle mass. Um, I tend to agree with the overabundance of goddesses out of seemingly nowhere. Because um, when I looked in all of my sources, all my Celtic sources, I didn't see a thing about Astera or, you know, any of these other goddesses. I'm like, where are they coming from? You know, there are very few mentioned at all. You know, so I mean, even... Like, I can't even remember her name. Like, there's one that um, goes with the Burkana rune. And I, for the life of me, can't even remember her name. Like, I have to go check. But so there are, there are lesser well, you know, known goddesses. But I think this is, to me, it sounds like um, universalism. And mm -hmm. more like one world religion type of thing where it's like, look, we're all the same. It's all the same energy. It's all the same energy. Like, it's not yeah. though. Because the things that you celebrate for your seasons are going to be very different than the things I celebrate for my seasons. Because, you know, when you talk to, you know, I was talking to Lucas King and he's like, we have X amount of seasons. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's not the same. And people in, you know, desert places, they do they have winter? Their winter is going to look probably like my fall. You know, so to say that all of these deities are the same is doesn't really do any of them honor really hundred percent. So that's, that's a huge part of it. But also what you were saying about um, the times of year, this whole thing, you know, everybody's like, Oh, well, Astera happens for the spring equinox. I'm like, well, this year, the spring equinox came on March 17th. 
<laughs> so when Easter hit, I was like, I can't wish anybody happy Astera because I don't, I don't feel it. I'm like, this isn't, that already happened. Right. So if we're talking about an event at a certain time in the sky, that's already passed. And what they're getting bent out of shape about, you know, all these pagans are like, oh, the Christians hogged my holiday. I'm like, okay, maybe, but like, look at this huge time gap. You have plenty of time to celebrate the season if you want to, (laughs) you know? So there's that. Um, But also if it's the equinox, then there's no reason to be picking a masculine or a feminine because it's equal. They're coming together. This is not, it's not a one over the other. So that's also, you know, aggravating situations and energies that are polarizing people. It's not really teaching anybody the dance. It's just, it's a feminist thing. And, and I noticed that when I was, when I went to one of the spirit shops, you know, I knew I needed something. I walked in there, I was supposed to go in there and get something. And I started talking to the lady and she's like, oh, well, you should get this goddess encyclopedia. And I start looking through it. I'm like, this is not what I need. <laughs> this isn't it. <laughs> I walked out with women who run, run with wolves, but. <laughs> nice. Nice. You know, I already know who my goddesses are, you know, so. Right. That's, but right. that's just the thing is I can understand how discovering them and working with them is very empowering for the feminine, but it just, I think the way that it's shifted and evolved over time um, hasn't really allowed for that to really sink in and become as personal as it's supposed to be. You know, it's, it's still clinging to this old feminism that might've been useful for a time, but it's pretty outdated right now. And I don't see that it's very helpful at this point. No, it's very harmful at this point, a hundred percent. And, and it definitely was needed at one point in time, but without a doubt it's run wild and uh and like you said i i 100 disagree that when you don't study them for the truth then you're not doing them any honor and like even when you like look at ishtar like and here here's another thing like have you ever read the crystal bible by judy hall no or like <laughs> like oh geez every crystal in there is high vibration like it's either, it's either high vibration or very high vibration and it's just over and over. And I feel like, like these, uh, the, uh, theologians that, uh, would study these things, they'd be like, Oh, it's a girl. She's a goddess of fertility and love and war. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a girl. It's a goddess of fertility and love and war. Like, you know, like what the hell is your problem? Read the story. And so when you read Ishtar's story, there's nothing about it that really says that she's particularly a goddess of fertility. She's a goddess of vengeance and war for sure. But is she a goddess of fertility? No, I believe that there's a part of the story uh, where she withholds fertility from the world, from hell, um, until they can appease her with the death of the, with uh, some deaths. And, you know, which would kind of be anti-fertility. And really, that would almost state her as a winter-type being where it's only through the end of her issues that now we can go back into the growing season and things like that. Yeah, they do that in American Gods. That's the whole scene with Easter is she shows her power and everything grows. 
but then she ends right. this display with death. I'm like, I think that's opposite <laughs> somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and, and yeah, Easter's the, or the Ostara is supposed to bring the life. And yeah, this person, that's not what they were bringing in any way. And then like another one I see thrown on there is uh, Frigga, uh, Odin's wife, mm-hmm. who is a, who's the mother, who is a matron goddess, but she's not the mother goddess in any way, shape or form. Um, I don't know that I would pin that to anybody that I can think of just off the stories. But if you were going to, Freya would be the more obvious choice by far. Uh, <clears throat> so it, 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 like I said, it's, it, it doesn't seem like these people studied it at all. They just went through and just picked these feminine names and then tack them onto things. And then if you try and go against it, you're against the feminine and you're a disempowering and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh my God. No, no. I'm trying to try to truly understand what's going on and truly understand what each of these things are because uh, it, it's not in any way as simple as what they make. Like Rachel said, I was thinking about this the other day. Do they even consider winter the winter in the desert? Because in the winter in the desert, it rains. And that's when things actually grow and the, the desert has life in it. Is that even something that they would even call winter? Like, I don't, they, their understandings of things are entirely different. They're hot seasons, they're dead season, they're cold seasons, they're live season. Like, it's an entirely different concept. <laughs> yeah, it's just trying to get everyone together. Like, yeah. I do have to, I do have to applaud um, some of the Druid revivalists because when I looked through those books that I have, at least, I mean, the guy, the author was like, yeah, some of this is definitely not in any history, but mm-hmm. at least they had a masculine figure for the spring. And it made sense. Right. It was like, okay, Angusog, he's love, he's beauty, light, life, songs. Okay. <laughs> at least that was there. But it, you know, because I was looking, I'm like, where is this goddess? And she's not there. But I have to I at least applaud that because I don't historical record. Yeah. 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 None of these. None of the books I had mentioned anything. So but yeah, it I don't like not including the masculine when it's his time. I think that's really messed up. And I really like to celebrate men because it's cause y'all need it too. So yeah, you know, I just thought that was funny it's an equal symbiotic relationship and the one of the other things i know people are going to say when i'm talking about this is well then i say that the sun is feminine and that the moon is masculine so spring is when the sun starts coming into its power well so they're like so then they're going to say well wouldn't that be the feminine time It'd be the feminine time for the sun, but on this plane right here, when the feminine is the most powerful, that activates the masculine. And when the masculine is the most powerful, that activates the feminine. That's why the moon uh, affects women so so much and why women are so in love with the moon and why men, as soon as the sun gets up, men are popping up out of bed like nothing. Um with a big old with a big old stiffy that the sun brought up. They're ready like, for the day. <laughs> you betcha. Ready to get going. Um so this is 
that where the one side affects the other side. So that brings out the whole masculine error. And this is where the masculine power comes in is because the sun is now in its power zone. And so in Midgard here, that brings out the masculine. I makes sense. So you betcha. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not a fan of universalism at all. Um, I find uh, a lot of beauty in all kinds of different cultures. I've been to every uh, different uh, religious ceremony I've ever had availability to. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I come home. You know, I've been to all kinds of Lakota ceremonies. I don't come home and, and suddenly become a Lakota and start practicing Lakota practices. I find their practices beautiful and I appreciate them when they're there. And then I come home and do my thing, which is also beautiful. <laughs> so rather than try to be a universalist and mush it all together where none of it really has any meaning anymore, we can just appreciate the appreciate each for its actual meaning and, and actually research what's going on and what's being said. And not just go ahead and look at some meme some jackass made while memes definitely uh, are making easy conveyance a message. They don't really make a much of a conveyance of understanding for a deep historical subject. You just can't put it into a meme. And when you try, all it ends up doing is is creating a whole lot of confusion and misunderstanding. Um, but that is the popular way to do things today. And I, and I do understand that, too. <laughs> yeah, for all you meme makers out there, you have a task. <laughs> Make better memes. <laughs> <laughs> Make that more intelligent. More accurate history memes. <laughs> yes, yes. Horrible. And this week, uh, I'm sticking with the Hollander edition, the poetic edit style, where it's still in the poetic style. And Rachel is going to go with the, the very popular currently Jackson Crawford. Um, his one his wanderers have them all. We'll, we'll see which we'll see which portion she takes out of this. Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm like it's so tempting. <laughs> yes, his 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 cowboy portion. Um, it's a lot shorter. It, it just, you 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 are probably tougher than Jackson Crawford, like it, it's hilarious. All the all the heathen community, we're big tough men. Oh, Jackson Crawford, he's he's great. Like that guy lived in Berkeley and uh, in the Boulder in the University of Colorado Boulder, like the two most liberal weak ass places on the planet. He drives to a nice place and puts on a cowboy hat. I'm a tough guy. You could arm wrestle. I'd arm wrestle him. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hilarious. <laughs> but I'm very excited about that because uh, he makes quite a few changes. Even he admits this in his videos mm. and leaves things out. So I'm excited to see what differences we come across today. Yeah, he does and... have some notes on translation stuff. Um, this does include his commentary, so he might admit to, you know, which things that he's changed. Some of them are more extensive than the others. Nice. Nice. So do you want to start? Um, sure. Do you want to, how many do you want to do? Like five or six? Yeah, five or six. Okay. 
really six is perfect on this because that will put me right on the first two pages. <laughs> yeah. Okay. At every doorway before you enter, you should look around. You should take a good look around, for you never know where your enemies might be seated within. Hail to a good host. A guest has come inside. Where should he sit? He's impatient, standing on the threshold, ready to try his luck. He needs a fire, the one who has just come in. His knees are shivering. Food and dry clothes will do him well after his journey over the mountains. He needs water, the one who has just arrived, dry clothes and a warm welcome from a friendly host. And if he can get it, a chance to listen and be listened to. A man needs wisdom if he plans to wander widely. Life is easier at home. He'll be laughed at if he sits among the wise and has nothing to say. A wise man is not show, showy about his wisdom. He guards it carefully. He is silent when he comes to a stranger's home. Harm seldom befalls the watchful man, for you can never have a more faithful friend than a good supply of wisdom. Nice. Nice. That is uh, honestly just extraordinarily close to uh, what is here. Um, have thy eyes about me when thou enterest. Be wary always. Be watchful always. For one never knoweth when need, when need will be to meet hidden foe in the hall. Hail to all the givers, where it's just he put hosts. A guest hath come, say where shall he sit? In haste is he to come to the hall who cometh to find a place by the fire. The warmth seeketh who hath wandered long and is numb about his knees. Meat and dry clothes the man needeth over the fells who hath fared. A drink needeth to full dishes who cometh, a towel and prayer to partake, good bearing eke, to be well liked and be bidden to banquet again. Of his wit, wit hath need, who, wide, who widely fareth, a dull wit will do at home, a laughing stock he who lacketh words among the smart wits when he sits. God, that one was a little bit more rhymy there, wasn't it? <laughs> to it. To be bright of brain, let no man boast, but take good heed of his tongue. The sage and silent come seldom to grief as they fare among folk in the hall. More faithful friend findest thou never than a shrewd head on thy shoulders. Yours so we can... sounds much more welcoming. <laughs> right, right. No, it's it, it, it's worded nicely. And one of the other things, did you did yours have a piece in there about I didn't catch it about having the full dish who cometh a towel and a prayer to partake? No, so, that's like summed up. I don't know if that's because of the translation because he's got the old Norse on the other side, um, but this one. You know, it just says dry clothes and a warm welcome. Like all of that would fall into the category of a warm welcome, but you'd have to know what that means. Right. See, and where this specifically also is is what uh, a full dish cometh, what they mean is is a, a, a wash dish. 
so mm. you can wash yourself and clean yourself and that and, and the towel that's what the towels for drying yourself making yourself you know you just got in off the road get the dirt and the nasty and things like that that's uh that's inter- that's a interesting change and difference yeah. Um, I understand he's kind of putting dry clothes in there, but uh, that's that is just a little different. Um, but as you can see, this is basically the the guest rights portion of things. Um, you know, when you walk into anywhere, uh, look around, make sure that there's no enemies. You're not just walking into a trap. That's pretty easy. Um, all hail to the hosts. I like hosts and that's inter- instead of givers. Givers just sounds kind of weird, but that's just our language of today. Um, and so the person who's hosting, you know, you're, you're honoring him. Uh, guest has come. So he's in haste. The guys just got in off the road. Let's uh, get him a place by the fire. Um, He's cold, needs some dry clothes. See, we, here it has dry clothes even. Meat and dry clothes the man needeth over the fellows who fare, who have fared. And then it talks about, you know, get him, get him a place to wash himself up too, uh, which was an important thing in heathen custom. Um, heathens were one of the most cleansly, cleanly of all the peoples uh, when you're talking about uh, uh ancient customs where your heathen your typical heathen had to take a bath would take a bath at least once a week and there's all kinds of different combs and toothbrushes and things like that that you can find as opposed to like uh a lot of other cultures where they talk about like uh only bathing once a year and that's you know the whole thing like that yeah yeah pretty rough so it was important to give a guy a place to clean himself up when he's gotten off the road um so that's interesting that he pulled that out and then it moves on more to the how you conduct yourself uh when you're there so yeah really quick um i do want to mention that you you made a really good point about um not walking into a trap because I feel like the way that this is worded makes it sound more, it, it just sounds more aggressive. Like, I don't know. You don't know where your enemies might be seated within. Like you're shifty, like you're looking for your enemies, not not caution, not just like being wise. You know, it's more like somebody here could really mess me up. It's like, well, yeah, you don't know whose house you're walking into, but I don't know, the, the tone just sounded much different to me and i just wanted to point that out because i think nowadays you know there is this i mean i loved vikings i loved that show but they made everyone out to just be so selfish and Mm -hmm. you know murdering each other left and right like come on guys like (laughs) is that really what we're about highly family oriented society highly mm-hmm. family oriented society and and a society that one yeah. of the few that had women's rights so if you were acting an ass to, to your wife she could take her property her share of property and roll out and go get a divorce and go get remarried like 
this was a very uh, honorable society, so it doesn't uh, that entire uh, I, it was an entertaining show, but there's so many things that they immediately start that are it starts off on the wrong premise. Like the whole show basically starts out um, acting like when Lin, the attack on Linda's farm was like the first time Vikings had ever shown up there. Like that's just absolutely foolish. Uh, you know, they had already traveled all over the rest of the world, uh, but somehow just missed England right next door. Oh, wow. There's another Island here. Weird. Um, so that's absolute foolishness. Um, and then the idea that they just showed up and started raiding, uh, and attacking churches because these were defenseless, peaceful people. Well, what they always want to leave out, and this is a very typical Abrahamic thing, they, they like to attack people. And then when uh, the people finally get mad and come back at them, like, oh, what were we doing? Oh, look at these crazy people. Oh, and so uh, throughout before, right prior to the Viking age, um, you had the Roman expansion over into that area. And when the Roman Catholics arrived, what they would do is the heathen and the pagan people would uh, worship in groves, in tree groves. That was where the sacred things happened. And those sacred areas were still on where ley lines are. So the Roman Catholics show up and they go ahead and, and kill all the local religious people and, and convert everybody by force mostly. And uh, they go ahead and cut down that sacred grove and they build a church on it. And so after a while of that, uh, everybody got real tired of that. Uh, the heathen people were not at all known for uh, getting together and agreeing and fighting together at all in any kind of a large group. But after enough years of the Roman invasions... Uh, you had the great northern invasion where the Vikings finally came back, and what did they go and attack was churches. Um, and a lot of the, and again, these churches all stood where sacred groves where Vikings would travel and go to different ceremonies, and uh, they burnt the church down. You bet your ass, and took their stuff. So again, this was all post Roman and. Roman expansion where Rome came in and by force uh, Christianized everybody and took whatever they could. Um, so then they're going to cry when the Vikings come and when the, the heathen people go Viking and uh, get mad and mass and come back and smash them. Uh, yeah. Just pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And I think that's important for even believers to really let sink in too. Because you do have to remember that Rome was using, using religion to conquer. Like as many innocent people that believed there as there were, and I'm sure there were some among them, you know, whatever, you can believe that and choose to get hurt over, oh, they attacked the church. But you have to remember that they were using religion to take people over. And anytime you do that, people aren't going to like that. They're not going to like that. You wouldn't like that. You know, there's all these stories of martyrs, you know, somebody coming in and telling you to renounce your God. Same thing. Same thing. So, so yeah, it goes back to all this hospitality, how you want to be treated. <laughs> 100%. 
hundred percent, which, which this is one of the most enjoyable parts of it. Cause when you start looking at this, this is how you act it to people. Now, when you put that in comparison to the Torah in the Torah, it says that anybody that's not a Hebrew is a Goyim and they can treat a Goyim however they want. Cause you're basically an animal. You're a cow. You're there to serve the Hebrews. Um, and then when you look at the way mainstream media talks, uh, and the way they portray us is we're the racists that are crazy, hateful, barbaric people. Well, we're going to go through our, basically the way we lived and the way our gods told us to be. And you compare that to the actual Torah, which is their book of the law, which tells them how to be. And we'll see which one there you see, which one is the actual hateful group. And literally, when you talk about that, well, if you're saying that you people are born God's chosen people and all the other people are below you and they're here to serve you, that's racism at its finest. That is the literal definition of racism. So, And you won't find that in here. Mm -hmm. uh, in here, you'll find a whole lot of things that are about don't get too drunk, treat people decent, um, yeah, you know, a whole lot. Of yeah, <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, starting at seven, the watchful yes. guest, when he arrives for a meal, should keep his mouth shut, listening with his ears and watching with his eyes. This is how the wise man finds his way. A man is happy if he finds praise and friendship within himself. You can never be sure of where you stand in someone else's heart. A man is happy if he finds praise and wisdom within himself. Many men have received bad advice by trusting someone else. A traveler cannot bring a better burden on the road than plenty of wisdom. It will prove better than money in an unfamiliar place. Wisdom is the comfort of the poor. A traveler cannot bring a better burden on the road than plenty of wisdom, and he can bring no worse a burden than too much alcohol. There is not as much good as men claim there is in alcohol for one's well-being. A man knows less as he drinks more and loses more and more of his wisdom. Mm -hmm. Excellent. See, the wary guest to wassail who comes, listen that he may learn, opens his ears, casts his eyes about, Thus wards him, the wise man, against harm. Happy is he who hath won him the love and liking of all. For hard it is one's help to seek from the mind of another man. Happy is he who hath won him both winning ways and wisdom. For ill-led is oft who asketh help from the wit and words of another. Best burden bearest thou nowise, then shrewd head on thy shoulders, in good steed will it stand, stead I suppose, in good stead will it stand, among stranger folk, and shield when unsheltered thou art. Better burden bearest thou nowise, then shrewd head on thy shoulders. But with worser food farest thou never than an overmuch of mead. 
For good is not, though good it is thought, mead for the sons of men. The deeper he drinks, the dimmer grows the mind of many a man. <clears throat> Fantastic. Yeah. So with that, uh, the first stanza is basically, um, you got two eyes and two ears and one mouth. That's a whole lot of receiving information, not including your textile senses and smell and things. And really only one particular hole that is for expelling a lot of uh, that kind of thing. So when you're sitting there, especially in a home that isn't yours, uh, and you need to know what's going on, then you need to shut the fuck up and pay attention. That's, that's pretty simple. Yeah. And that'll guard you against harm. You know, if you're sitting there yakking away, they're get, uh, it's, it's hard to notice other people and what they're thinking. Yeah, that's true. It's like, just be there, be aware, <laughs> make yourself familiar with the family, like get a feel for it. You know, yeah, you're in their home. Let them tell stories. Yeah. Yeah. See, and then the second, the second stanza, um, happy is he who has won the liking and love at all of all for it's hard, uh, uh, it's hard when you don't to seek from other men. So absolutely, when you're when you've made yourself an amenable guest and somebody that's enjoyable to be around, hey, you're gonna find life's a whole lot easier, and other people are gonna you know help you out, share their wisdom with you, things like that. Um, happy is he who's both winning and wise with wisdom. Yeah, yeah, that's. So, and you're going to find this a lot throughout this. And this is one of the things that just drives me nuts with so many of the people that uh, also uh, are into the go for the heathen lifestyle and study this. And some or don't study it. So many of them, they're just, they just want to get drunk and go to, go to uh, floats and scream around. And Odin is all about wisdom, all about knowledge. Mm -hmm. everything's about that you need to know some things you need to observe things you need to understand wow so to not be all about that and not be i i don't even understand why aren't you picking a different god then um, <laughs> right right are you sure this is the one you think you want <laughs> yeah yeah um let's see then it starts going into again don't sit there and get drunk. Uh, uh, and you're going to find this over and over again, which that's an extreme opposition to the mainstream narrative where heathens were a whole, were a, uh, a bunch of drunks who sat around drinking all the damn time. Now, really, in actuality, one of the things that, uh, because the first real recorded uh, fight between the Germanics and the Romans, um, the Romans got decimated. It was three Roman legions to a man got uh, got slaughtered. Uh, so when they took and had the war again, one of the things that the Germanics uh, that helped their downfall was Roman wine. The Romans started trading, chucking them some Roman wine, which was much more hardcore than the mead. And all of a sudden, these uh, really talented, ferocious fighters 
with clear heads and minds did not have that anymore. Um, and you see uh, so many cautions against drinking in here and against getting drunk. And this is just on meat. Uh, this isn't uh, Roman wine or distilled liquors. This is just mead, which mead, anybody that makes mead, you realize it's not a particularly high alcohol uh, ferment. Um, you can add a whole bunch of extra uh, sugars and try to get high ferment, uh, high alcohol yeasts and do some things to try and make it a high alcohol thing. But naturally, this is not a high alcohol thing. Um, and obviously if you imagine the, the heathen people back then, they weren't running down there and getting the, the, the crazy lavents, you know, yeasts and uh, like, uh, doing all that kind of thing. They were doing a much more natural thing. So their mead would not have been, uh, a, a, a high octane mead. And when Romans brought in their wine, that was, and it really disabled them. Um, so you're going to see here. A lot of cautions against drinking. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think in one of my books it it quotes uh, Queen Boudica of Britain, like saying that exact thing. She's like, "Stay away from the wine. Stay away from the bread. You know, bread and wine. Those were the two things yep. that just knocked them out. Like I think even if they had brewed beer, it wasn't anyone who's had." or compared beer and wine, it's a very different experience. It's a very different feel. It's a very, um, the weight of it is very different. You're not going to really drink as much beer. I mean, I've had some really heavy beers where it's like, oh, good, just one, <laughs> one and done. Especially <laughs> German. You're, you're damn near chewing that. I, I was, I did a, I did a tour in Germany. And you're almost chewing that beer as it's going. I mean, it's delicious. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you're almost chewing it on the way down. Like, arr, arr, arr. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's it it's not something you're going to just, you know, and you're not going to do it all the time. I imagine the process is, you know, when you home do, when you make things yourself and you homebrew, you're not just going to do things willy nilly. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to get drunk all the time that you're going to have to make a lot more all the time. That's very time consuming. That's not. <laughs> well, and it's also a key point that I want to make is these beers were not today's beer. Mm -hmm. They weren't the hops beers. Hops is one of them is the most estrogen producing thing you can you can take in. And so all these guys are drinking these heavy hop beers. And like I have books on ancient beers and ancient nothing but ancient uh, brewing recipes, things like that. And hops is only in a couple of these uh, mm. recipes in any way, shape, or form. It is not a common ingredient. So they were doing a lot more uh, 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 different greens, different like dandelion things. Um different herbs put into there, all kind of very interesting things. Cause one of the things that that fermentation and making the meat made it so that way it would stay fresh for however long you needed it to, it would, it, it, you could just stick it in the, a cool area, dark area in your house. And that's good till winter, summer, you can keep that for a very long time. Uh, some of the best meat I ever had was, uh, I believe, was it four or five year old meat? four-year-old meat uh hmm. yeah 
I had a, at a real big ceremony I was at, I had four year old mead and that stuff was dangerous. Cool. They called it nectar mm. of the God. And it was just like drinking like super honey water, like just like perfectly perfect honey water. You're just like, Oh, with a little vanilla in it. They're like, Oh, it was just delicious. And then, you know, y'all are I got some bite. Um, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> you betcha. Yeah. So like my wife and I, we each have our own horn and typically on any ceremony, I'll drink like one horn. And like I said, with that one, you could have sat and sipped that all damn night. Just, oh, and, and it really got yourself hurt. <laughs> you probably only need one anyways, right? I used oh, to have yeah. one. And it's like, that's actually a lot. <laughs> they hold a lot. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, I love all this right. last line where it says, as a man, a man knows less as he drinks more and loses more and more of his wisdom. You know, they you're just start sounding stupid <laughs> exactly and thinking is smart that's the best part <laughs> yeah like i i've had some interesting conversations and that's what it is <laughs> which is unfortunate because you know our culture is like oh well that happened when i was drunk is it like an excuse it's like no you're still you you still have to own that sorry yeah <laughs> yeah, and actually, as we get later into his into here, actually, isn't it just coming up shortly here? He's going to talk so. about some of the things that happen when he gets drunk. Like, just because you were drunk, don't mean you get to you know, like when you're in uh, Fiala's cave, like that doesn't help you out. You're no. screwed still, buddy. You <laughs> betcha. Yeah. So thirteen. It's as if a memory stealing heron broods overhead while you drink. And steals your mind away. I myself have been trapped in that bird's feathers when I drank at Gunnlod's home. I was drunk. I was too drunk at Wise Fjallar's house. The best kind of feast is the one you go home from with all your wits about you. A man, a noble man, should be silent, thoughtful, and bold in battle. But every man should also be cheerful and happy to the inevitable death, day of death. An unwise man thinks he'll live forever if only he can avoid a fight, but old age will give him no peace, even if weapons do. It's a fool who stares when he comes to a feast. He talks to himself or he broods. As soon as he gets a drink, he'll say anything he knows. Only a man who is wide traveled and has wandered far can know something about how other men think such a man is wise. Nice. The heron of heedlessness hovers o'er the feast and stealeth the minds of men. With that foul's feathers fettered I was when I was Gunlot's guest. Drunk I became and dead drunk forsooth when I was with wise Fialer that bout is best for which back fetches each man his mind full clear let a king's offspring be sparing in words and bold in battle glad and wholesome the hero be till his dying day the unwise man thinks that he i will live if from fighting he flees but the ails and aches 
of the old age dog him, though the spears have spared him. The fool but gapes when the folks when the folks he comes, he mumbles and mopes. Soon is seen when his swill he had, what the mind of man is like. Only he is aware who hath wandered much, and far hath been a field. What manner of man be he whom he meets, if himself be not wanting in wit? So this this whole set of stanzas. Can you grab me that good coffee? Um, this whole thing set of stanzas is a real interesting one, real interesting one. I think uh, the first one. Now the heron. There's a, a side note that apparently the state of mind superinduced by magic use of the heron's feathers. That's uh, from Scandinavian notes and studies. It is suggested that the allusion may be to the old time scoop, usually in the shape of the long neck bird, which floated on the butt in which the ale was served. Hmm. So apparently there was some magic uh, tradition that went with the, the heron and then also typically then the uh, ladle that they were serving the mead with a lot of times would be in a heron-esque shape. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, where, very interesting. Where's that information from? That's in the, that there's a bunch of notes and things. Oh, so that's okay. in the notes. Uh, on, in this particular copy. That's the cool. Hollander copy. Yep. Yep. And then... So again, with that fowl's feathers, fetters would as I when I was Gunloth's guest. So in other words, I got drunk off that late what that ladle was laying down, and now I'm screwed. Um, I'm paying <laughs> the penalty. Drunk. Uh, here's where I think things really get interesting: is drunk I became, dead drunk forsooth when I was with Wise Fjaller. Now a lot of people, a lot of your. Uh, uh, people studying this like to try and then make Fjaller and Gunloth the same person, except for, uh, uh, and, and identical to Satung, which where Satung had the cauldron. And then I think it's Fjaller's, uh, need in the cauldron from the spit. So that's there's a whole lot behind that, and they're just kind of lumping it all together. Um, drunk, I became dead drunk. So again, the you know the best meal, like uh, I, I like Rachel's version was much more clear. The best meal you get, uh, you come back with a clear head. That's uh, that that's when things are the best. You're not getting dead drunk. If if he had been dead drunk, he wouldn't have ended up uh, uh, in trouble. Um, I like the next the next stanza. Uh, Let a king's offspring be sparing in words. Yours didn't say king though. Yours was just regular man, right? Uh, a nobleman. Oh, yeah, a nobleman. Not really. Yeah, just a nobleman. But same same idea. 
you know, don't, don't be an ass, you know, uh, be bold in battle. Uh, but that doesn't mean you need to be nasty and angry and running around. Like if you don't have to fight, don't fight. Uh, if it's, you know, have a good time. Um, understood. That's what the show really did the opposite of doing. It's like, everybody's ready to fight. Right. No, it says, a nobleman should be silent and thoughtful. (laughs) Contemplative. That sounds, you know, like somebody you want to be around. And happy. Yeah. Absolutely. See here. And then the unwise man thinks that if he flees from fights, he's going to die or, you know, but either way, you're going to die. And that's, that's a really uh, important uh, understanding for heathens uh, that it's way more important to live for who you are and stand up for what you, what you believe in than uh, cower down and live for a few extra days or a few extra hours or weeks, even if you make it to old age. Well, um, I've never noticed that old, the old age looks like a real great time. You know, I'm a, I'm pushing 50 and and already I wake up in the mornings. It's not like when I was 20. I can't imagine what it'll be like at 75. Like, you know, you, you go to sit up and, and nothing happens but pain. You don't actually sit up and uh, everything just kind of sucks. You can't remember anything. Like, all your friends are dead. Like, that doesn't sound like a great time. Yeah, and, why which, linger? Yeah, so, I mean... Uh, and, and that's what you traded, which not to say that, you know, uh, if you just live to a nice ripe old age, that there's anything wrong with that. But if you at some point traded that for the who you are, um, you know, like most recently with the COVID thing, if like you decided that uh you didn't want to stand up and fight and you were really against vaccines, but you decided to not stand up and fight and you just took it and let your kid take it. And it ended up, it ends up having problems later. Like them few extra, that little extra that you, you could have fought. You're not going to feel right about that when you get old, when you're laying there and and in pain and and remembering things, uh, you're going to wish you stood up for yourself. Like, and, 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 no, you probably weren't going to imminently die in today's life. But back then, if you didn't stand up for what you believed in, you actually died. You actually got killed. And, and uh, But again, if you, if you were going to live like uh, Red Band, where they talk about uh, when they went to go kill him and, and it was over conversion. And he's like, well, if I convert... Uh, where will I go? And they're like, no, you, then you'll go to heaven. He's like, where are my friends? They're in hell. He's like, well, that's where I'm going too. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to go where your people are. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, so absolutely standing up for what you believe is way going to give you a way happier, better life than the only thing you're buying is old aches and pains with that exchange. You know, becoming old and having aches and pains and wishing you could do that crap again. Mm-hmm. Um, you bet. Yeah. This is uh, this is maybe a little off topic, but maybe still on topic. Um, with that, I was curious about, 
you know, there were all these reported or these records of um, sacrifices to Odin. And part of me thought, you know, if the ultimate honor was to die in battle, then, you know, having nine men hung, maybe that makes sense. But would those men be some of these people that we're talking about? Like maybe they've reached old age and they missed their chance for battle or they spent their time running and they're like, I volunteer. You know, maybe it was not necessarily a sacrifice, but more of an opportunity. (laughs) Like here's your, here's your moment. (laughs) I I love what you're saying with that because uh, one of the things with your sacrificial animal where they're calling it sacrifice, which I don't necessarily agree with sacrifice, although with these men, it would be. Um, But the part of the reason you chose the animal that you did was because it wasn't going to survive the winter. And and so I I love what you, where you took that. That makes a whole lot of sense where absolutely these men are like, I'm past my prime. I'm not going to be much good. This is the best I can do. And, you know, now I don't have to be in this shit no more and i'm helping my people oh yeah no that that that's good stuff what you said right there thanks i was just thinking about that because i was i watched that show northman which is like a or north north northman it's like a comedy the movie? in the beginning of this one they take all the old people out to like get rid of them because they're a burden to society and they're they take them to right. a waterfall to all jump off and of course, because it's a you know it's humorous, they kind of talk the guy out of it. They're like, "We'll just go away. It's fine." You know? <laughs> <laughs> but then That's the queen's like, "What are you doing with the slaves? We need them." And he's like, "Oh, uh, they all jumped, all of them." <laughs> That's great. It's pretty ridiculous. That's great. No, I love I love what you said about that. That's perfect. Especially like I said when you take into account that a lot of the animals that were sacrificed they were just killing because that animal wasn't going to survive the winter it's going to be torturous for the animal you're going to have it's going to be expensive for you because you're going to have to feed it up until the point where it dies who knows when it's going to die um yeah yeah no that's what people don't get about sacrifice in the north versus the south is in the north it was more of an act of mercy rather than a penance or something to appease the gods necessarily Exactly. So, like uh, my, but I very seldomly kill anything, but like uh, I had an animal that went down. It was this, it was an old alpaca. He was super old. He was, it was just his time. And he was down the one night. Well, the next morning I got up and he was still down, still in the same position. I tried to move him and help him. He kind of had like a seizure out of the deal. Well, it was going to be 110 that day. Um, I knew he wasn't going to make it through the day. So uh, did I want him to sit there and lay in the heat of the redding sun and cook to death or a 30-30 round, uh, you know, uh, to the chest and quick and clean and he's done. You know, give him a pet on the head and a 30-30 round, uh, you know, rather than having to sit cooking the fucking sun. Um, Same concept. You know, only in the winter, you know, it's going to die. This animal's not got the strength to survive nights. Um, it's just going to suffer, you know, and, and being cold, miserable, miserable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah, bet. Not a good time. Well, with that, we are probably about <laughs> at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just about perfect. Uh, wanted to bring up before that. 
Good old paraplegic coffee. We all love the bears. This time uh, we went a little bit, uh, we got a little bit fancy. So he's got, uh, this one's from a 2,000 year old lineage from a special plantation and some fermented beans, which uh, I got a real, like, so, you know, cause I, I get grandma seizures. So I don't personally drink a lot, you know, touch the coffee too much. Um, and I didn't realize what a giant difference there is. So we buy uh, this coffee that's supposed to be a real nice coffee um, for the West Coast. And they're brag about it. And it's a signature series and all this. And we'd run out of bear coffee because we'd done our spring festival. And uh, I had to go back to buying that. I bought one bag of that. Well, I go and walk by and the steam of it is blowing off of it because uh, uh, my new apprentice had made a cup. And the steam of it was blowing off, and it smelled like burnt acid, just burnt and acid. I was like, oh, that's horrifying. What the hell? And then when they traced this, even his normal stuff, they're like, yeah, that's like candy. It's just shocking the difference. Um, but uh, absolutely just delicious. Uh, what would you think of yours? And Rachel got some paraplegic coffee. What would you think of yours? I think it's really good, honestly. Um, I'm on the last bit of it because I because you got to grind up the beans. Yeah. So I'm on the like yeah. the last tail end. So I don't nice. drink too much coffee, and I didn't think it was too strong, which I appreciated about it. Because on this other stuff, I get so hungry so fast, like it's just so much caffeine, um, right? And like really bad crashing. But this is fine. I'm like this is it tastes really good, and I'm not jittery or. It just, yeah. it was robust. I think that's the best, the word I'm looking for. Like, it was really nice. Yeah. Well, Brian said that uh, he was having a real problem with dehydration because he had about three days mm. where he was just puking. Uh, I think he got parvo. We almost put him down. Um, but uh, then he didn't want to drink coffee uh, because it was real bad dehydrating. And then comparative to the bears, that was the other coffee. And he said, this doesn't have that problem. Uh, and even when he was grinding it, like you said, it's grind. Well, the other ones we buy, we have to grind also. And we have a hand grinder, an old German hand grinder. And uh, he said that that one, you couldn't even hardly tell there was beans in there. He said he thought it was empty because it was grinding so easy. Those beans would mm. just pop apart. Where these ones, there's like, they're meaty. They're meaty. Yeah, yeah the betcha. dehydration thing. That's, yeah, that made a difference too. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, Veriplegic Coffee. I love them. Love you guys. Thank you. And with that, love everybody over on YouTube. Love you guys. See you. See you. Yeah, see, see you over on Rockfin, where you can come over and watch for free, despite the mistake last week, which Jared went in and fixed, and it was just for like an hour or two until we saw that that it happened, and then we switched it back um where you always get to watch for free uh our show anyways if you uh do if you want to come in and comment you can go ahead and sign up start an account just like youtube and then you can come in and comment uh, tell us what you think uh if you want to watch the premium shows uh such as conspiracy social club or jimmy Dore or eddie bravo just came over to rockfin santos Bonacci just came over to rockfin um 
you betcha. So some real big guys. Rockfin's really growing nice. If you want to sign up under the $9.99 to get all the premium content for everybody and you do it under my name, we absolutely appreciate that. And we're going to do on the next uh, uh, reading comments and things, we're going to do a shout out to all the people that have signed up under that uh, past and present um, and get all those names pulled out of there. Uh, so we we absolutely appreciate that. Uh, but uh, if not, absolutely just come over and watch the show for free. Love you guys. Welcome back to the Rockman side, where we will go ahead and continue this wonderful conversation. And we're uh, working on the sayings of Har um, with the wonderful Rachel. And we're on uh, stanza 19. Okay. Don't hold on to the meat horn, but drink your fair share. Say something useful or stay quiet. And no one else will judge you poorly if you go to sleep early. A gluttonous man, unless he watches himself, will eat to his own detriment. Wise men will often ridicule a fool on account of his belly. Even cows know when they should go home and leave behind the fields. But an unwise man does not know the measure of his own appetite. A stupid man and an undisciplined one laughs at everything. He hasn't learned a lesson that would do him good. He himself isn't flawless. A fool stays awake all night, worrying about everything. He's fatigued when the morning comes, and his problems remain unresolved. An unwise man thinks anyone who laughs with him is his friend. He doesn't understand the wise are mocking him even when he overhears them. The cups burn not, yet be sparing withal. Say what is needful or not. N-A-U-G-H-T, not. For ill breeding upbraids thee no man, if soon thou goest to sleep. The greedy guest gainsays his head and eats until he's ill. His belly off maketh a butt of a man. On bench mids, mid, midst the sage when he sits. The herd do know when home they shall and gang from the grass to their stalls. But the unwise man will not ever learn how much his maw will hold. The ill-minded man who meanly thinks fleers at both foul and fair. He does not know as know he ought 
that he is not free from flaws. <coughs> the unwise man waketh all night, thinking of this and that, tosses sleepless, and is tired at morn, nor lighter for that his load. The unwise man weans that all who laugh with him like him too, nor sees their scorn, though they sneer at him, on bench middest the sage when he sits. Hmm. So I find the first uh, stanza pretty interesting. You know, don't don't spurn the drink when you're when you're at a celebration, you're at a ceremony. Don't uh, don't say no. Don't take nothing. That's that's pretty rude. Um, when somebody offers you food, you eat a bit. But don't uh, don't be uh, getting drunk. Don't drink a whole bunch. Um, so understanding that that middle ground that. Uh, keep yourself with uh, uh, moderation uh, and then the same thing again moderation in the food mm -hmm. so not the drink but the food um, and I, I really like this stanza where it's uh, you know your fat man uh, your wise men make fun of fat men and so in today's society they try to make this separation where uh, physical fitness and intelligence don't seem to have any type of uh, correlation. And here they make a very direct correlation. Wise men laugh at fat asses. Like you've let your body completely fall apart and uh, your mind is definitely not working right because look at you. Uh, it's all one system and your system is shot. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's very interesting. Like even a cow knows when to quit eating, man. Even a cow <laughs> knows that. And that's what the whole next stanza is saying. Like you're too dumb to stop eating. You're going to sit there and just keep shoving food in your mouth and, and nonstop. And, and in today's American society, that's a huge thing. We are a very gluttonous people uh, on a whole. Uh, obesity is rampant. And you see, like, during the, the recent pandemic, where they're all going on about their poor health, well, anybody that got sick and actually died, well, whether you believe a COVID was a real thing or not, the people who did die had four, who had four or more comorbidities on average, meaning that they were most likely old, most likely obese, so their body was just waiting for something, the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, it didn't take much of a straw with some of these people when you're talking about four-plus comorbidities. Four-plus. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you were a, a pretty unhealthy cat. Um, so this little illness that the rest of the world shrugged off and there was actually less death uh, overall uh, – for overall causes that year well this little thing that apparently wasn't particularly strong wiped out people well that's because we're a horribly unhealthy people and we don't want to admit that we want to instead make fat beautiful make mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah do all those things and, 
oh, quit fat shaming, blah, blah, blah. Well, here, that's you're, you're, they'll make you the butt of a joke when you're sitting there all fat. Like, like this is in the words of the wise one, <laughs> you know. Um, but again, these were a very uh, realistic, very uh, hardy people that um, understood how life worked and they lived a fairly rough life. And so to be fat, that's no different than up on my mountain. If I was a very like my dad, my dad's a very obese man. Uh he walked down to my lab, walked back up once, and he didn't leave my house after that. He was like, nope, <laughs> done with that. Doing and, <laughs> yeah, in fact, gave me a four-wheeler for next time he visits so he can oh go tour the land on the four-wheeler. Like, you know, they didn't have four-wheelers. For me to be fat, that would literally kill me. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go up and down and do anything throughout the day. Uh, it, it's insane. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's something that's, unfortunately, it's so touchy to talk about, you know, because mm -hmm. even if it comes from a place of, hey, I care about your health, people are like, well, don't care about my health, don't say anything. It's like, so I should just sit here and let you continue to kill yourself. Okay, cool. That's a good way to tell somebody you love them, you know, <laughs> it's like, and, and there's so many different types of people. I think he froze actually. Oh no. That's so funny. before the internet my internet went out, Rachel was talking uh, uh um, and yeah. we were speaking yeah. about the uh the large and in charge. Yeah, large and in charge, big and beautiful. Yes. Yeah. It's I wonder, you know, at some point I wonder if it was just from southern stuff, you know, like the Romans, like where this idea, you know, it's all over the world, I guess, but at some point they're like, well, you don't need to move around. It's like a sign of royalty, you know, <laughs> and that's, I guess they're still harping on that with this biggest beautiful thing. It's like, oh, you can, yeah, you can just, you have abundance. And I'm like, okay, but you're sitting on your butt in active wear, not being active, like, now wearing yoga pants because you can't fit into anything else is not me. Yeah, that's not, it doesn't say fit <laughs> no, to me. No, well, and, and it's gotten to the point now. So like I'm, I'm, I range between 145 and 150 pounds. I'm actually a fairly small guy. Um, large upper body, but uh, I'm kind of, I'm only five foot nine. Um, but uh so I'm just not a large framed person. Well, in my family, everybody's 250, 200, 300. And uh, when I get go home, I regularly get called, uh, uh, asked if I'm on meth, um, things like that. Uh, consistently asked these kind of things. Actually, it was, it was real nice. My dad came out and stayed with me. Um, and he got to see how I eat and things. And... Uh, and then on top of that, when we'd go, I'd go to like reunions and things. Um, when I'd get there, none of the food that they eat are things that I eat. Like, you know, they're eating very processed. Uh, like uh, one of the big things, I brought a, a loaf of Dave's uh, good seed bread and uh, they all eat Wonder Bread, you know, um, and they wouldn't touch the Dave's. Well, I'm not touching the Wonder Bread either. That stuff's nasty. 
Um, and that that's basically the way all the food goes with them. So like there's a few vegetables I'll eat, but for the most part, there's not much here that I can eat. You guys all eat meat. I don't. And then you eat really processed things and I, I don't. Um, yeah. But it's, it's they, they have to turn it into that into I'm a method because I'm not like super skinny. Um, I'm not, I don't have zero fat on me. I probably have like a 10% body fat or 12 or something like that. Um, and I'm about the same weight I was in high school and I have a lot of musculature. So that's not a meth head, you know, where you're just all bones and all you burnt up all the fat, things like that. Um, and it's turned into where, you know, if I go back home or you need to eat something, blah, 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 you look so unhealthy. No, I look healthy. <coughs> I've always been small. My mom is really, really thin. Um, her side of the family is very thin. My dad's side is where, you know, they've gotten a little bit bigger. And all of my aunts will tell me, as soon as you have kids, you're going to blow up. I'm like, you promise? Because I'm waiting for that day. Like, that'll happen. You know, my mom right. had four children and I, I hug her and don't know where she is. <laughs> I'm like, are you here? <laughs> you know, so could I stand to gain some weight? Yes. It's very difficult for me to do. Um, and so when I, when I talk about weight and about people who are larger, who are most of my friends, I try to do it with as much compassion and understanding as possible. But there is an element of being truthful and, <laughs> you know, and being realistic with people. Because, yeah. you know, and that's, that's how I try to interpret this kind of stuff. You know, it's like no shame and no very, shade, but very harsh maybe a reality. healthy amount of shame and shade because something needs to push you into yeah. understanding. You know, yeah, and thinking I that should, you know. thinking big and beautiful is not helping you. That's no. not helping. No. And that's, it's not even the same as understanding your perfection as you are. Because I think people get confused on that. They're like, it's an excuse to not change. But it's like, that's not what that means at all. <laughs> no. You've, there's so that, much more. Yeah. And and the heathen people were very realist. Very realist. So, yeah. and, and, and this again is something where the mainstream portrays them as very heavy. A lot of times, either it portrays them as these crazy muscular um you know, giants or really fat drunks. Um, it, it, it's one or the other. It, there's a whole lot of real fat uh, portrayals also. And and obviously that wasn't it. And then for, to, you ha to have that extreme heavy musculature, you have to take in so much food, so many calories. And that's just not uh, uh, particularly feasible either. Um, especially when you're talking about uh, uh, people that had a particular food lack. Um, growing conditions are super hard. Uh, they, they lived in small areas, so you can't imagine that they, they didn't have large herds of animals. They weren't out hunting massive amounts of animals. Uh, in an island like uh, in any island situation, it's fairly easy to hunt a population into non-existence. We do it on the regular. Um so to take in that kind, have that kind of caloric intake just wasn't happening. Uh, these people were much more lithe, 
part of what made them nasty warriors is, is they were out working all day and the axe that they're known for that was the axe that they ha- hang had hanging on their side that they were chopping trees and doing work with all day they've been swinging it all day they'll keep swinging it at you it's it's, it's about the same <laughs> uh, you bet and yeah if you're fat you're not going to do that well no it's, no it's very practical not to be overweight and it yes. is, you know, I mean, Odin does make it about intellect. <laughs> he does, you know, are you wise or not wise? And that's, it's always a clear indicator of somebody's inner health and their inner realm. You know, there's yeah. so many people who are like, I eat my feelings. I'm like, how's that working out? Absolutely. Because it's making things worse. <laughs> yeah, because now your health deteriorating, which then affects your emotional state and your mental state and deteriorates both of them. And now it's all a nice vicious cycle because now that those things are worse, you eat more again to try and feel better. And it just downward spiral. Just the facts. And even a cow knows better than this. That's what the, (laughs) here's Tanza 20. Even a cow knows better than this. Um, (laughs) Now, on the flip side, the next stanza is about uh, uh, the people that would sit there and just completely, when we've all met that person that just has nothing good to say ever, and they're just Mm. nasty and friendly. Um, You know, that person's got their flaws also. Nobody's free of them, and there's just no reason to be like that. Yeah, stupid Uh, and undisciplined, laughs at everything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 fake you fake people Don't that's interesting that. that that uh laughs is that what fleers means i wonder if that's what fleers means he meet who meanly thinks fleers at both fair foul and fair I'm not a i'm not a familiar with the word fleers okay. outside of fleer baseball cards back in the 80s no, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's see here. The next stanza, though, I really like. Um, the unwise man waketh all night, thinking of this and that, tosses sleeping, or sleepless, and is tired in the morn. No lighter for that is his load. Uh, and that's a huge thing. Like, uh, I, I've spent a lot of time around people that worry a whole lot, and then they get mad at me because I don't. Mm-hmm. And I've always, even before I was a heathen, this was something I fully understood. Like, if I sit there and worry, I'm not really doing anything to fix the problem. My worrying doesn't help anything. It just makes me miserable. It actually makes it so I don't accomplish things because I'm just sitting there worried and my energy is all getting put into worry. Um, and so I don't. If I can do something about something, I do. And if I don't, I, I, I either try and think of a way I can do something, and if I don't, I just leave it alone until I can figure something out. That's, yeah. And then sometimes things just are nothing you can do. Nothing, it's just that's the way it is. You're just going to have to live with it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, some people I think when I've said it think that I'm just, you know, maybe spiritually bypassing things. But it's like, no, if there is literally nothing I can do about something – then I don't need to think about it. Yeah. I If I cannot, exactly. if I cannot change it right now, this second, mm-mm. and it's an act of surrender. 
you know, there's so many people, even myself, you know, it's like surrender is really difficult. It's like, well, you have to make it easy. And that's one of those things where it's just like, what can you do now? And I've talked to people who've had really bad anxiety, you know, and that's what we talk about. We're like, okay, your brain can think of all these scenarios. It's very brilliant. What can you do now? Nothing? Okay. Then you just have to let it go because <laughs> this isn't Find helping. Something you can do. Find yeah. something you can do then. Yeah. What can you do? Well, you can have some water. You can eat some food. Yeah. You can take a nap. <laughs> you can be ready for when you can do something. Absolutely. Yeah, wash the dishes. <laughs> do some chores. <laughs> yep. Do something. That's that's because the whole thing is is a lot of people don't realize that emotion's a very masculine thing as opposed to feminine. Hmm. And um, emotion is the uh, opposite side to to motion, where you uh, if you can't do something about something, then you feel about it. Um, real strongly sometimes and and it's because you can't put that energy where it's supposed to go mm -hmm. and so i try and stay away from the real heavy emotion uh <laughs> which that's all worry is you you can't do anything you can't make motion so you're just putting a whole bunch of energy and stress into something and i'm not saying that i don't like just recently, we had the, the state come in and messing with us and causing problems again. And uh, so I agreed to let a state inspector come to the house, you know, because their whole deal is, is they're looking for people growing weed, which I'm not. And uh, so I said, yeah, come in. You're going to see that, you know, I've done nothing but clean this place up and set it up for a farm. And uh, but for days before that you bet i was having trouble now granted it was the full moon too that did not help i do not ever sleep well during the, there's about a three-day period where i can't sleep hardly at all mm. especially living the way we do when the moon comes out and it's at that time right now where it's above our tree line it's it's like somebody all of a sudden cracked a spotlight into our bedroom like wow. just it, yeah 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 it's black in our house and then all of a sudden just Bang! Whoa! Crap! Why? Uh, I forget, Brad. Ah, my little friends. Yes, I know. I love you. Um. So that makes it super hard to sleep too. So there was that element of it in there. Um. And then because I haven't, uh, because of all that, I hadn't been working. That that bothers me. Anytime I'm not working, that bothers me. It's. So, I mean, there's some other things thrown in there, but I'm, I'm just flat admitting that I was stressing uh, about uh, about that inspector and did it accomplish anything for me? No, it made life miserable. Uh, it made me fight. It made me fight more with my wife. Uh, it, it, it made me tired because, which again, I probably wouldn't have slept with the shit anyways. It was the full moon, but either way, I'm laying there thinking about this and, and just eh, horrible, useless, horrible. Uh, something I absolutely try and avoid, but I'm certainly not claiming that I'm not. It never happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one last thing on this one is, you know, it says he's fatigued when the morning comes and his problems remain unsolved. When you sleep on yep. it, that's very real. 
That's very yeah, real. You betcha. You'll wake up with answers. <laughs> You'll have a clear mind. You know, your subconscious will work out whatever it needs to work out in order for you to move forward with a solution or at least closer to a solution than you would have been. So that's that's a very real thing too, is sleeping on it. Yep. And you'll have the energy to do something about it. Now yeah. you have the an answer and you're going to do something about it. That's where the fatigue comes in. You're not yep. going to be fatigued. Because that's the worst part is even if you spent all night worrying and you got the answer, now you're about to fall flat flat on your face because you're so damn tired. And, no. and of course, on the days that you do that, all the animals act up. All of them. Like, <laughs> oh, whole farm's going to remind me of this lesson. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> Just like when they show you the weak spots in your fence. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> I believe it. I'll show you all of them. I promise. The unwise man means at all who left. And here's uh, you know, the unwise man. He he laughs at everything. You know, even when everybody else. And you see this a lot, uh, especially with young kids, where they're willing to make an ass out of themselves because it makes everybody laugh and. They don't really understand the difference between laughing with you and laughing at you. You mm. know, like, uh, you know, there's a difference between like, uh, uh, like when I hurt myself the other day, my friend is just kind of chuckling over there. Well, as long as I'm not actually hurt, it's kind of funny. I would have done the same thing. You know, like there, there, there's, you know, but, but that's because last week he fell and I laughed at him too. You know, it's like, we all like he slid down a board and ate shit, you know, like laughing with you, like, God dang, I hate it when it rains around here. Like, cause it's very uh, slick clay and mm -hmm. it makes everything just treacherous, treacherous. This is how I actually uh, flew off a motorcycle and busted my whole left side. I was, I didn't know that about up here. And I went out on a, a bike right after it rained, dicking around, making an ass out of myself and uh hit some of that wet clay and the back tire just skidded like magic and then the front side skipped over a little bit into a fence into a fence and i went on a went on a ride <laughs> not a good time now you no. laugh about it <laughs> right yes now i laugh about it. exactly <laughs> exactly but there's a difference between that and laughing at some fool making an ass out of himself consistently like jay you know entirely different entirely different okay 25 25 an unwise man thinks anyone who laughs with him is his friend but he won't find these friends when he goes to court no one will speak on his behalf a stupid man thinks he knows everything if he hides himself in a corner, but he doesn't even know what he'll answer if men ask him questions. It's best for a fool to keep his mouth shut among other people. No one will know he knows nothing if he says nothing. An ignorant man doesn't know how little he knows, no matter how much he talks. You will seem wise if you know the answer and know how to explain it. People are not able to keep a secret of what they hear about other people. Hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> getting juicy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, that's what I love about the Havamal. And honestly, so when I first came to Odinism, um, this is obviously one of the first stops in that road. Uh, it, it definitely should be. And uh, you read through this and where this is, they compare this to like the Bible. This is like the heathen version of the Bible where the Bible is nothing like this. This is just like real raw, pragmatic wisdom. Just like, just the whole thing. You're just like, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's very specific. Fantastic. It, it really is and, and it makes no bones about things like it, they are pulling no punches here um the unwise man weeds weans that all that laugh with him like him too but then he finds when to the thing he comes few spokes few spokesmen to speed his cause the unwise man wean he knows all if from harm he is far at home, but knows not ever what answer to make when others ask him aught. The unwise man among others who comes, let him be sparing of speech. For no one knows that not is in him, but he opened his mouth too much. Clever is he who is keen to ask and eke to answer all men. Tis hard to hide from the hearing of men what is on everyone's lips. Much at random off rambles he whose tongue does ever tattle. Did I, did I interrupt you? No. No, you got to 30? Oh, no, I got to 28. Yeah, you need to do 29 and 30. <laughs> oh, I can't do math. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> all right, 29. You'll say plenty of nothing with all your talking if you never close your mouth. A hasty tongue, unless it's disciplined, often earns its owner punishment. No one should ridicule anyone else, even if he comes visiting. Many a man seems wise if he is never questioned, and he gets to brood with dry skin. Hmm. Hmm. Uh-huh. Much at random oft rambles he whose tongue does ever tattle. A talker's tongue, unless tamed it be, will often work him woe. No, no no mock make thou of any man, though thou comest among kinsmen. He knowing weans him whom no one has asked, the dry shod heis his home. H-I-E-S. Heis, heis. Heis? H-I-E-S. Peace. So heist, heist, ice, heist. Yeah, it's just heist, right? Heist. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Yeah. So 24 kind of goes back into the same thing that or 25 goes back into the same thing 24 goes into. Uh, the only real thing it adds on to it adds on to it is is uh, in Rachel's version it, they called it court and uh, in my version they called it the thing which is what more historically it was called where the, the meetings happened the laws were made and grievances were aired things like that it was called the thing um, so it's just kept more in uh, in line but basically same thing. Um, and that nobody, if you're that fool that while everybody laughs and has a good time, you, you see a lot of kids movies that go through this concept where like, uh, the kid that has all the money and all the friends are, you know, ends up with like 50 friends. And when he's making a fool of himself, as soon as, you know, he needs something, they're all gone. Um, so you see a lot of kids movies, uh, try and make that point. Mm hmm. And then yeah. the next stanza is, uh, you know, it's easy enough to think you're wise when you sit at home. That's uh, uh, similar to like the video game system, like when I was a kid, you know, and we had an Atari and, you know, there's always one kid in the house that he's better than everybody else. But you get out in the wide world, you end up finding out that, you know, there's so many, like once the internet came and you've seen kids, uh, I don't really play video games now, but you see kids that same thing. And as soon as they connect up to the internet, they find out that they aren't really very good at it. Or like in <laughs> sports, in your little home, in your hometown, you might be the best, but you get out to that state competition and all of a sudden, holy smoke. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. You could, I could sit all day and play Soul Calibur too, like you know, or Mortal Kombat and then play a friend and just get annihilated. It's like, yeah, I beat the game on the hardest setting, but <laughs> you, bet. you betcha. It's totally as different. Uh-huh. Yeah. As soon as you start measuring yourself up to the rest of the world, things are, things start getting a little different. So hiding in your home, isn't that great? Um, oh, I wonder, I like I the next one a lot. I was just wondering if you could like go through the Hava Mall and figure out where all the rooms sit. Cause, mm. what, cause this sounds a lot like um, Rido and Kenaz, you know, kind right. of going out. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Going out to the world and kind of, kind of spreading things out. Absolutely. No, that would be very interesting to do. I definitely uh, will have to look at that. That might be fun. Yeah, um, then it goes into, you know, it just kind of affirms, like, if you're not wise, just be quiet. <laughs> because, you know, I like how it just says, you know, a hasty tongue, unless it's disciplined, often earns its owner punishment. Like, you you immediately find out when you say something that's so stupid. And I've, I know I've done it where I'm like, oh, that, now I look like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then and I deserve all the comments. <laughs> you betcha. You bet. Yep. And on the flip side, it's amazing. Like I there was a kid that came to the thing this last year and he was not a particularly bright kid, but most of them didn't realize that and then come to find out um I think he would he had not even passed like eight he dropped out in like eighth grade. Um but 
he didn't open his mouth about a lot of things. He just shook his head and kind of laughed a lot, you mm. know, and because he didn't open his mouth, everybody just kind of thought, you know, well, he must kind of get things and he's just, you know, he's just laughing because everybody else is stupid. And he just didn't open his mouth up and prove that he was. <laughs> right. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a good way. And then, uh, little badger he was only 17 and he would keep to himself his thoughts a lot and one day somebody said something i was like he doesn't know either he just doesn't open up his mouth and make an idiot out of himself and he, he went mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah, if he doesn't know he just didn't talk yeah that's smart i mean and that's how you learn too is by listening you know if unless you're gonna ask a question just and pay attention you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Clever as he was keen to ask and eats an answer, which this brings oh, up no, what Rachel just You're going to ask a question, then, uh, you know, that's clever as he who's keen to ask and eat an answer out of all men. So mm-hmm. if you are going to talk, ask for some, ask some questions, get some answers. Everybody, Every single person, no matter who they are, knows something you don't know. All of them. Mm-hmm. And so, and you aren't going to find that out unless you ask answers. And it says from all men, not just from wise men, not just from royals, not just from all men. So every single person on the planet knows something that you do not know. Oh. That's a true thing. Yeah, even, yeah, I will, I don't mind asking anybody what their thoughts are, are on something because I don't, I don't know what they'll say. I don't know what their experience is. Even if there's something that I'm very well versed at that they have no clue about, that doesn't matter. They have their own things that they know. (laughs) Like even homeless people, people on the bus, like even people in line. Like you could, you don't know. You just don't know what other others do. Absolutely, like they've, uh, they've lived an interesting life. I promise. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I think it's interesting and, that and, it says. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I think it's interesting. It says that people aren't able to keep a secret of what they hear about other people. So it's kind of like it's not necessarily coming down on gossip, but it's also, it's more like a fact, like you're going to want to talk. We're creatures who communicate. So if you learn something, you're going to want to communicate it. And it's not necessarily like, Oh, I can't wait to spill the beans. It's just like, this is, this is what happens. This is natural. But then in 30, it says no one should ridicule anyone else, even if he comes visiting. So it's like, also at the same token, you know, just don't give people such a hard time. (laughs) Maybe if they come to your house, be a good host. They're not there to get, you know, a lashing, a tongue lashing or, you know, whatever. Oh, you... (laughs) You were my wife was saying me because I, I tend to I, I, I do browbeat people occasionally. <laughs> well, if they live there, maybe it's different. 
a little bit of teasing's fine, right? <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. Absolutely. No, that's good. That's absolutely good stuff. What now? What? Where? So, what was the last on thirty? Whom no one has asked, and dry shot heist his home. What's your say? Yeah, it says no one should ridicule anyone else if he comes visiting. Many a man seems wise if he's never questioned, and he gets to brood with dry skin. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, because it even says dry shod heist. So I'm going to guess that must be his skin in somehow his home. That's very interesting that there, there's got to be some more meaning behind that. Something very specific because that seems like a very specific thing. Let's see. Stands as 26 and 27. Yeah, there aren't notes on anything. He only talks about the, the mocking, but not that second part. Hmm. Yeah, it just seems like there must that must be like some uh, some saying that they have or some such thing. You know, there's some like that's some kind of a proverb type thing. Like there must be some kind mm. of meaning right, that, that they all understood that we're not really getting out of the context. You know what I mean? Yeah, brood with dry skin. As opposed he just to had that field. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. So anyways, 31. Hmm. 31. A man may seem wise if he pokes fun at another and disdains a fellow guest. But the man who talks behind another man's back knows little, even if he laughs with men. Many men are kind to one another, but will fight in a feast. There will be will always be conflict between men. A guest will fight a guest. You should eat your meals early, unless you're visiting a friend. A hungry man sits and gets sluggish, and his wits are impaired. It's a long and crooked walk to a bad friend, even if he lives nearby. But it's an easy road to a good friend, no matter how long the journey. Truth. You should keep moving. You should never be a guest forever in any one place. Your welcome will wear out if you stay too long beneath another's roof. Nice. A wise man, he who hides behind him from the man who likes to mock or at table who teases can never tell what foe he might have to fight. Many a man means no ill, yet teases the, at the others at the table. Strife will ever start among men when guests clash with guests. An early meal I, a man should get him, lest famished he come to the feast. He sits and stuffs, as though starved he were and not, he says to his neighbors. To false friends I, a far way tis, through his, though his roof be reared by the road. 
to staunch friend I, a straight way leads, though far he ha he have fair fared from thee. Get thee gone betimes, a guest should not stay too long in one steed. Life grows loaf if one if one too long sits on bench though he was bidden. One's home is best, though a hut it may be. There a man is master and lord, though but two goats nine in a thatched roof. Tis far better than beg. And I don't know, I don't think you did that one. Oh yeah, it's better to have a home even if it's little. Everyone should call somewhere home. Even if you own just two goats beneath a faulty roof, that's still better than begging. One of my favorites. Yeah, Love that's a that. good one. Love that one. So 31 is just more of the, this is like uh, Rachel before we uh, started had said that uh, a lot of these seem to group together. Um, and they're absolutely right. Uh, so 31, you can see, kind of goes back with this last grouping um, where it just talks about a wise man. Uh, when you're sitting at the table, if you're mocking everyone, you don't know who's gonna, who's getting, who's your enemy, who, who's really taking that to heart, really pissed off that you just said that. Um, so if you're gonna sit there and do that to everyone, you're not gonna, you're gonna have hidden enemies you don't know about. Um, and then it says that there's, you know, and then it makes a thing that there's a difference between somebody who just teases around and just is having fun, and somebody who's truly, truly being mean. Um, like in the, the story that we'll end up reading later where Loki goes to a supper and specifically just makes mock of everybody in the most mean, cruel way. Um, obviously that's different than just, you know, uh, you know, like I, when, uh, Rachel first came on and had those glasses, I was giving her a little bit of shit about the size <laughs> of her glasses. Um, you know, that's entirely different than, you know, getting mm -hmm. onto somebody really making mock of their flaws and really making them feel bad. <clears throat> All the dirty laundry. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Hey, just so everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. Um, let's see here. And obviously strife will ever start among men when guests clash with guests. Um, so you don't want to see that. You know, you, you try and keep things light and airy. Have a good time. I found the next one very interesting. Uh, to, you know, definitely have an early meal, but you shouldn't come to a feast, feast famished. Um, mm -hmm. Where you see a lot, like, in today's society, you know that you're going to a feast, you'll come there famished on purpose. You know, you're, you're getting ready to feast it out. You'll damn near starve yourself for a day so you can eat maximum amount of food. And this is real specific about, you know, if you go there famished, you're just going to be stuffing your face and that's all you're going to be worried about. And uh, at a feast is a time of uh, fellowship with other men. That's, that's a huge important part of it. And you're going to miss out on that. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to be thinking about all the food and that's, yeah. you're, you're missing the point of the feast. <laughs> Because the point isn't to eat until you're stuffed. 
that's just something it's an activity it's like a crawfish boil you're there yeah for the crawfish but half the fun is just standing around the table with everybody and picking those things apart you bet, <laughs> you bet. it's the fellowship of of the yeah. feast that is what is what makes it great uh, of course getting your belly filled but it's already made mention that while at this feast you should always only take your own share don't sit there and eat over much um, here it's telling you don't go there starving. You're gonna you're gonna want to be able to hang out with people instead of just shoving your mouth full of food the whole time. You can't even talk when you're doing that. Um, so it makes that that's a real interesting uh, stanza. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you know, in all the you know shows, it's always like, are these what your parties are like? Is this what you're putting into history? Like, is this how you party with your friends? <laughs> <laughs> or right. not because sometimes it's like okay that party's believable and then sometimes i'm like <laughs> nobody would do that no one would do that and i know some crazy folks <laughs> i've seen some ridiculous things but she is on moving spiders fairly regularly <laughs> <laughs> this is true <laughs> they did have us they did have us reading the brady bunch for no apparent reason last week i don't know <laughs> just for the fun of it <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh freaking uh gordy is alice was killing me oh he was killing me oh i was dying him and him oh, and him God. and lucas because lucas doesn't have any idea because it's not even a, like that's totally out of his realm so like he's not only is he confused but he has the accent and the everything and he's just like what the fuck is it what and right he's, he's and he's reading me. for the youngest girl <laughs> yes yes <laughs> oh so love great. it so good yes that's a that's a crazy bunch so you betcha love the spiders love you guys uh, <laughs> see we can't help but talk about you <laughs> you betcha to false friends i the far away and i love this one this one's fantastic um you know yeah any any road to a false friend is a hard road even if they even if they're an easy friend to get to where when somebody's a good friend that it's always easy like i've got a friend joe in iowa and you know like it, no problem you know go over and visit him i'm just happy to be here with you brother it doesn't matter you know um you betcha yeah. that's that's good stuff. all my trips down to colorado springs when i had friends down there it was like People are like that's a long drive. I'm like, it's 30 minutes. They're like, no, it's not. <laughs> it is definitely longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm like, well, it's only I like guess. 45. It's only 45, maybe an hour, maybe an hour, especially with traffic. And you probably, it's probably harder for you to cut around to the bypass than it is just to go right down the gut. So you're just cutting right through the freaking, right through uh, the tech center there. Yeah. I try to avoid it, but yeah, yeah, it's. You'd have <laughs> to really ways. go out of your way to, like, <laughs> to get down to the springs from where you are. Yeah. Let's it's see here. Yeah, but if they're a good friend, it's worth it. It's like you know that time. That time is precious. Something that they tried real hard in the last two years to take away from people, and mm -hmm. that that time. That interchange with other people and interchange energies with them is very precious it's a huge deal um and then on the same token don't be hanging out at somebody's house forever like a 
feet. Get gone. You know, move on to the next place. Please don't like, haunt your friends. Don't make. <laughs> yes. Don't hang out until, until you've used up all your hospitality and their food and everything else. Yeah, they're gonna here, start and, saving and, you. Um, yes. They're like, God. and then, yes, get out. And you do have some friends that are like that, especially like, you know, like when you live clear out in the country here, it does get weird because it's like, we don't have like just drop by visitors like other people, like where they're just going to come by for an hour or two. Hell no. It took you two hours to get from the nearest city to me. And it was a rough road. You ain't staying for an hour. Like that, right. you know. <laughs> um, the next stanza is absolutely, uh, one of my favorites and I use this one on all kinds of interviews and talk when they ask me about the different sayings. Um, one, one's home is best though a hut. It may be there is a, there a man is master and Lord though, but two goats thine in a thatch in a thatched roof tis better than beg. And so it's making a big deal out of, if you have your own home where you're master and you, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. That's your house. That's mm-hmm. your rules. It's your land. You get, and even if your house is a simple house, and this is something that we've forgotten horribly in society today, because everybody wants to go, even with the off-grid thing, so many of them want to go into the pre-made off-grid system. And they're like, well, I can't afford all that. Well, guess what? You don't need to start with all that. Um, when I started, we were in a shitty little Winnebago, and I had to drive down to the river and get water and put it in a 55-gallon barrel and carry it up top and then try and get it warm so we could try and do a shower or wash dishes or anything. And uh, we had to build everything from scratch the whole nine. Just because you, it's not all made and all perfect when you start, that doesn't mean that it's not better. It, that Winnebago where I could do whatever I wanted. I could go outside and piss. At any given time, city people will never know how horrifying it is to piss inside all the time. Peeing outside is one of the greatest things to be alive. It's like, yes, I get to pee outside. <laughs> yes, that is the best. And and I can do that. And, and literally, we showered outside. It also freeing and fantastic. Nothing like being naked to the world while you're taking a shower. <laughs> Ah, just having a good time. And and you certainly can't do that in, in an apartment building, uh, in anything like that where you don't own your own land. You're subject to the landowner. Um, you're subject to what they, they say. You don't, your house doesn't, your brooms can't be the color you want. Um, you can't make up the noise you want. Like my kids were little heathen ass kids. They, they were running around screaming, yelling, throwing things, making fools out of themselves all day, riding motorcycles, things like that. You can't do that. They need to be in their own land. And even if your house is just a little hut with a thatched roof, as crappy a living as you can imagine, that is still better than living in a high-end condo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's still something, you still have something. Yeah, because I think a lot of people get into this weird lack mentality 
and that's where a lot of this you know stuff comes from they think they have to have all this all these things this materialism or they need um they have to have whatever's trendy you know i don't know housing is is so unique you know because i think i could never do a tiny house i just could not do it i do too many things you know people right. are like i could live in a tiny house i'm like you must not do anything because I do this desk becomes so many different spaces. No. <laughs> so, you know, I think your home is so unique to you and people who, you know, choose not to have one or don't have one because of circumstance. It's very unfortunate, but if you can make yourself something, then you have some sort of footing. Any footing is better than no footing. You yep. know, I mean, even these guys that I see with nicer tents than I've ever owned, I'm like, this is why you stay the way you are, though, because you have something and that's not clicking. It's like literally you could go anywhere with that tent Absolutely. and you're collecting garbage here <laughs> when you could be doing something way more fun than this. <laughs> Something's, you know, there's a disconnect, but I like that. I really like that. You know, it's somewhere that you can call home. It doesn't matter what it is. And and like you said, then you have that rock, that 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 solid footing that no matter what else, when I get home, when, things are gonna be my way. Things are gonna be the way I want when I get home. No matter what. And and as long as you have a couple goats, you've got you've got your milk, you've got your food, you know, you've got your little garden. It's all about being self-sufficient. So you don't really need anything else. If the world is that fucking miserable for you, you're that unhappy with the way things are, then you can just go home, hang out, yeah. until, until you feel like you can interact with the world again. Because you've got your, your stuff taken care of. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I like that he even mentioned, like, you've got two goats. You, you have something that sustains you one way or another, you know? You yep. can drink their milk if you need to. <laughs> they can breed. Yeah, you can have cool. more of them. Like you have something. And I think it goes right back to that Fehu. You know, it's like you do have something. 100%. You are never without. 100%. And, and that's an entirely different mentality. Again, if you don't have that, even if you aren't what you would consider a slave, because I own my condo. Oh, you own it? Well, how about we go upstairs and, and have a drum session? Oh, no, you yeah. can't do that? Oh, that's weird. Hmm. How about we go ahead and uh, I'll have a bonfire in the parking lot of your condo built. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, that's weird. And, and then, again, when shit hits the fan, do you have any food? No, you've got this building. Yeah, mm -hmm. do you have water? Do you have food? Can you, can you make it at all? So you really are a slave to the system still. You're a slave to that building. You're a slave to the system. Unlike the person who's in the shack with the couple goats, who is, that person can say, fuck off to all of you. I'm going to go to my house and do it the way I want. Fuck off. You yeah. can't. You're a slave. The only yeah. thing that saves you at that point is understanding that you do have that home base to kickstart into something else. You know, I have some siblings who I know my brother wanted land like right away, but you know, they got a condo, you know, and now they're figuring it out. 
They're like, we're looking at land. I'm like, yeah. But you have your own space to get your noggins together about it. You know, it's not like he's still living here, you know, and she's still with her folks or anything. It's, you know, they have that, that place, that launch pad is almost what I said, but, you know, so I think if more people can realize what they do have, because that's, there's always excuses to not getting out of slavery, but it's like, work with what you've got, realize how, Mm -hmm. how much you do have and really what you're gifted with and go from there. That is such a huge thing because a lot of people, they, they think what I'm saying is you immediately need to go run off and do this. And I'm not saying that. It's all steps. That's one of the biggest things I do. I got no problem with starting something and being horrible at it or not being able to finish it. I'll get it going and it, yeah. it'll be done one day. I'll get there. That's just the way it is. And it looks like we're about at the end of the show. So with that, uh, Rachel, go ahead and throw out your information for anybody who doesn't happen to have it yet. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Minds at Valkyrie Sparks. I have a Telegram channel that I post to called Sunforge. And on Thursdays, I've started doing uh, Twilight Reading Hour. Uh, we're doing it biweekly right now, but we'll see. Maybe we'll do it weekly because it's been fun. So I also host uh, Full Moon Poetry Nights if you guys just want to be creative. So sometimes nice. meetings, lots of art. So, yep, come hang out. <laughs> Fantastic. And with that, um, next week we got uh, Josh Pinio, who is a fellow heathen. So we're going to have a nice little heathen conversation. And uh, we got uh, Bernie, the uh, alchemist that does, he uh, is on Autodidactic's channel a lot. He just started up the Crypto Alchemist channel because they yanked his channel. That's part of why he's over there, too, because they yanked mm-hmm. his channel out from under him. Um, but he's going to come on and talk, so that's going to be great. And then uh, we'll be back with Rachel to finish up the uh, Havamal and continue this on. So love it. And- Love all you guys. See you later.